From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week. Today, the doors to the pet hospital are wide open. If you have a pet question that needs to be answered, let Dr. Major help you out today. Cat people, dog lovers, and everybody in between. This is your free vet visit, and you don't need insurance. Also, if you have any general wildlife experiences, you can call and share as well. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Or send us an email. It's animals at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield Hartfield is out this week. Today, the doors to the pet hospital are wide open. If you have a pet question that needs to be answered, you can let Dr. Major help you out today. Cat people, dog lovers, and everybody in between. This is your free vet visit, and you don't need any insurance. Also, any wildlife uh, observations or experiences that you'd like to call in and share with us, we'd like to hear from you. So join our conversation this morning with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464, or you can email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. And a reminder, if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, uh, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope that you're doing well this morning. Good morning. Everything's good? Yeah, we we're, were discussing uh, before we went on the air how hot, hot, hot it's been, and both saying that uh, pretty much if you don't get out and do what you need to do in the early morning, you're going to be stuck in some really major heat, that's for sure. Yes, it's very humid, and it certainly is important from our standpoint of our pets. Make sure they've got plenty of water, especially the ones that are outside and inside as well. But it does it does affect the inside animals, you know, even though it's there in probably air conditioning or at least where it's cool. But uh, it does seem to affect them as well. Uh Outside, shelter from the sun. Uh, be sure to plant plenty of water and water that can't be turned over and uh, dumped out, this sort of thing. So that's that's good to, to remember. And also, when you're playing with your pets, uh, be cognizant of the fact that they can overheat pretty rapidly. Even if you're at the reservoir or at lake, uh, uh, they can overheat and certainly have heat exhaustion and or heat stroke. Yeah, they need to break. That's one that you've mentioned before that I think is a good one. You, uh, you know, near the water, you wouldn't think they wouldn't be too hot or whatever, but uh, they need a break uh, from playing around just like we do if we were out on the beach having fun as well. The other one I, that you've mentioned before that I think is a good one for dog owners to remember uh, is if they're out walking their dog, say, on the sidewalk or on a, on a road, uh, to be aware of the heat on the, the dog's uh, paws. Exactly. Uh, rarely do we see a cat that gets his paws burned unless they jump on something that's very hot. But uh, asphalt uh, especially can be quite quite hot, and uh, it can make a difference. And we've seen pads that have been uh, ruined uh, by uh, excessive heat 
either from an animal being uh, a runaway, if you will, or uh, just jogging uh, on hot asphalt. So it's an all-pet day today. We're looking for your pet questions for Dr. Major. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We're going to start in past Christiane. Anne has called in today. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. How are you all doing? Good. What's your question? Well, my question is, is that my daughter um, recently got a horse and it is eating paper. We have searched the Internet, and there is nothing on the Internet to find out why this horse wants to eat paper. Okay. Tell me a few things about this horse. How old is it? She is five years old. Okay. Uh, she, uh, my daughter worked for three years instead of getting pay. Um, she was given a horse. She is um, a $50,000 horse. Um, she, um, is, has, uh, hay. We give her grain. She has a Himalayan mineral block. She, um, is a spoiled brat. She gets apple treats. She, um, gets green grass to graze. Um, she is spoiled rotten totten. She gets green apples. She gets carrots, but she will go ahead and get into magazines. Um, she gets into the paper trash. Um, it doesn't matter what type of paper it is. She wants to eat it. Right. You know, you would have to think that uh, this is probably a, a learned vice, if you will. I guess that's the right word, or at least a habit. Uh, I would suggest, and you've probably already done this, have your veterinarian do a blood panel to be sure there's no deficiency. But I agree with you. It's very unusual for a horse to consistently eat paper. Now, they will, a lot of them will browse and tear something up, this sort of thing. But I would suggest that, uh, one, remove the source if you can. And, two, I would suggest if you haven't done it, have a uh, proper blood panel done by your vet to see if there's any type of deficiency. It sounds like there shouldn't be based on what you've told us. But uh, what is this, a hunter-jumper type horse? or? Uh, actually, yes. That she's, um, not a, she's not a hunter-jumper. She is a Grand Prix. Okay. Horse. Yes, I understand. I understand. So, yeah. And, um, and, and, I mean, the, the only thing that we can figure is that she um, was due for slaughter. She was supposed to go to a meat house. She, um, her grandparents and her mother and father are jumpers. Um, right. They have won many Grand Prix, and she was saved from the slaughterhouse um, when she was about a year old. Um, she was in very poor condition at that point in time. We've done research. Um, we've done the bloodline, and it's just like we just cannot figure out um you know we we've had her going on three months now and uh she just tends to want to eat any type of paper she can get her hands on and we're just like and we looked on the internet and there's nothing anywhere and the veterinarian said he couldn't figure it out um he he's just like I've never heard of anything, right. never heard of such, and it's just like she'll 
get any type of paper that she can. We have to be now careful with the paper trash. Um, and it's just like, you know, you silly little horse. Right. All right. It's become a habit. And I, I would have to say that there may be other uh, listeners who've heard of this. But if they are, maybe they could give us some advice. But uh, best thing you can do is remove the source. Good luck to you and hope it turns out well. All right, Ann, thanks for your call. Uh, let's move on. Next, we've got uh, Wyatt in Florence. Good morning, Wyatt. Good morning. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a pet possum. He's about, it's actually a female. She's about three months old. And I'm wondering if there's any kind of uh, regimen of vaccines or something I need to get for. Well, bless you, Wyatt, for having a pet possum. That's, that's really good. Uh, I've, we have several people that have had possums over the, over the years, and they, they make good pets. As far as a regimen of vaccinations, no. I would not say that there's anything that this possum should have uh, from the standpoint of vaccinations. But uh, one of the problems that I see with people that have pet opossums is that they tend to overeat and get fat. So be careful with uh, feeding too much and give a variety of foods. Uh, possums are... Uh, what should I say, omnivores, scavengers, and uh, kind of mix the diet up, but try to avoid letting the possum get overweight if you can. But as but far she's as... Only, she's only three months yeah. old, and she, she's, she is kind of a picky eater, actually. Right, she okay. She doesn't like strawberries, but she likes grapes. <laughs> okay. Cat food and cucumbers. Um, but yeah. she only likes certain brand of cat food well she's doing a good job of training you and uh i know you're taking good care of her so you take care okay hey white one thing before you go uh, give us yeah. an, an idea of the the thought press how did your family decide on on a possum for a for a pet well we didn't it was kind of foisted on us uh <laughs> Uh, a cousin of mine came into her bathroom and found it, it's a baby. It was about the size of, a, I guess, a medium-sized rat, and she found it in her bathroom. <laughs> and then she posted something on Facebook asking about somebody who uh, could take care of it. So All right. that's how we ended up with it. That's an unusual story, so you take good care of. What's, what's the possum's name? Petunia. <laughs> Gosh, I would have guessed that because there have been several petunia possums in, in my over the years. So, good. Thank you. Take care. All right, Wyatt. You bet. Good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's an all-pet day, so if you have a question about your pet for Dr. Troy Major, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, you can send us an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more of the show after this. and music is mpb music radio from classical to bluegrass and everything in between mpb music radio has a sound for every ear for information on where to find mpb music radio visit mpbonline.org this is an mpb think radio podcast 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here today with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Since Libby Hartfield is out this week, it's an all-pet day. We're looking for your pet questions, and the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. You know, Dr. Major, we talked about uh, Mississippi's climate as such that we really need to worry about uh, flea control for our pets throughout the year. And uh, these days, there are a number of different ways that you can help prevent uh, fleas on your pets. Pills, um, there are the uh, topical applications, flea collars. Um, how, how is the best way to decide what would work for your pet? That's a great question. And there are. It's kind of like going and looking at pet food and uh, Petco, PetSmart, Kroger, mm-hmm. wherever. And there are just tons of food. Well, there are also a lot of uh, a, a lot of different types of flea control. Select one that works for you, and, and you know we can name names. There, the topicals work in most cases. There is some resistance to some of them at this point because they've been out so long. Uh, insects, you know, will probably be here a long time after we're gone, <laughs> and they build up resistance to different types of. Uh, uh, pesticides or topicals in this case. There are some good oral uh, medications also that prevent fleas. Uh, there are some that prevent fleas and ticks. There's a fairly new, we mentioned before, the uh, the uh, Vectra, which is relatively new. Uh, it actually kills fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes. So that's one that uh, a lot of people have kind of said, hey, this is pretty great because of our mosquito situation uh, here in the South. But it is important to control fleas, especially when you have a multiple pet household. Don't forget the cats, but always be sure that you're not using something on the cat that's intended for the dog because cats are much more sensitive for most things. There are some things that you might be able to use on both but always read the label or discuss it with your vet. And I know that uh, when you use those topical applications, again, especially with pets, you want to make sure you kind of get it right between the shoulder blades so that they can't uh, reach to it and, and, and maybe lick it off or whatever. Well, especially cats, it's not so much that it's going to hurt them. Uh, they will literally turn around, though, and lick the hair off in some cases, making a ball spot where you put that. It also will tend to inactivate uh, most of the topical uh, pesticides or topical flea control. Uh, Some of them you actually still, especially in dogs, especially your bigger dogs, put it entire length of the back. It seems to work better that way. So it depends on the product, but uh, there are plenty of products that work. Uh, There are some flea collars, flea tick collars that work excellently. And all of these things are fairly pricey based on how long they work and how, uh, you know, how they're applied. So shop around and whatever seems to work best with your pet, uh, you could probably go with that. So most of them on the market uh, do a fairly good job of, of flea control. Correct. Some of those, though, that are generic, one of the reasons they're generic now is that they've lost some of their effectiveness. And just think about that when you buy them. If it's working for you, though, and not making your pet sick, continue to use that. 
All right. Very good. It's an all-pet day on Creature Comfort, so we're looking for your question about your pet for Dr. Major. The number's 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is one 672 We're going to go to Memphis for our next caller, and Mike is on the line. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Go ahead. Well, I've got some pets that have taken up residence in my lake that I can't seem to get rid of. It's beavers. Right. And uh, how big is that lake? About eight acres. About eight acres. And does it have a spring that's coming into it? No, it's just strictly rainfall. Right, right. Uh, beavers are notorious for liking to, uh, you know, build their uh, uh, dams, whatever, in moving water. But they also will in lakes like you're talking about. Probably the best thing to do is seek some professional help. Uh, to to get the beavers moved out. The problem is that they may come right back. Uh, maybe not the same group of beavers, but some more. Uh, I, I would discuss... Well, we've had them in the past. I've, I've managed to shoot them right. in the past, but uh, these are cager. I found they've, they've kind of built their huts right up against my dam. Right, and that... And I went can... out there with my dog, and we kind of rustled them out, and I shot at them, and and now they've moved out of their huts, and I don't know where they're living. They may have, I've got a small island on it. They may have taken up residence on that island. Well, one of the problems, of course, with the dam, they, they will burrow into the dam as well and can cause some leakage or cause failure of the dam. So I would suggest that you really need to get somebody to help you with that. Your uh, wildlife commission probably can help give you advice and maybe even have someone that can help you. Uh, okay. I, I sympathize with the problem. I've had some problem with them uh, myself, and one of the ways that it helped was just simply straightening out out a a creek or stream that was flowing, and they didn't like it after that was happened, and they couldn't build their dam again. But a little bit different situation with them in a lake. Seek out some help. I think you need to do that uh, before they damage the dam uh, and cause some issues. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call, Mike. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for your pet questions today at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. The phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show animals at mpbonline dot org. One of the other things we've talked about on on various pet days uh, is uh, a microchip, and that's uh, as you described it, something like maybe the size of a grain of rice uh, that has information on it. So if your pet goes missing. Uh, and someone finds it, the the vet or someone can scan that and get the information. Um, Are these becoming more prevalent, and do you think it's a good idea, especially for uh, outdoor pets, uh, to to try to get one installed? I would say that all of your pets do, especially even indoor pets that might inadvertently uh, Mm -hmm. get out for some reason, either forget and leave the door open, they get out the window, something like that. Uh, The microchip is is very popular. Uh, They're several different brands, if you will. The main thing is for your vet to have a reader. In other words, it's an electronic reader that actually can read and give the number. Uh, I recommend that all the rescue groups as well, because if somebody brings in a dog that's been lost or found, you know, and can do. There have been some good stories, certainly, about dogs and cats that have been identified because of their microchip and reunited with their owner, uh, which is great. I would recommend it highly, and uh, cost is not terrible. There is a cost to maintain 
some sort of uh, with the particular companies, some sort of uh, online uh, type thing where if you lose your pet, they will literally contact the vets and uh, rescue agencies within the area and put out a bulletin based on your pet. And you can even have your picture of your pet with that, uh, with numbers for them to call. So that's that's good. I, I encourage, encourage All right. that. Very good. we got some more calls to get to. Let's uh, start again by going to Mobile. Mikey's on the line. Good morning, Mikey. Good morning. Um, I'm going to be quick here. Um, you all discussed um, most of the stuff that I needed to know earlier regarding flea and tick control. Um, one question that I have left unanswered is that um, I just switched around, in fact. Um, I was told, but this was years ago, that if you... Even if you find something that's working for your dogs, I've found that gradually the effectiveness seems to fade. So um, I switched um, to something that is, well, it's a little more expensive, so hopefully it's an upgrade. Uh, I believe, which I've heard you mention as a, as a, a, a good primary ingredient, a, right. a good, good choice. Um, and this one seems to be a little more concentrated, and the dogs seem to be a little happier. Um, this is Mobile. It's muggy. It's swampy. And we live in the swamp. So um, fleas, ticks, mosquitoes, all of that stuff. This right. covers all of that. Um, my question, my other question is that um, when you're switching around foods, uh, it's best to stay in, within the same kind of a range as far as the company that makes them is my understanding. Um, so I guess my two questions are, is it better to do that with foods, and is it better to switch around but within the same company regarding the flea and tick knock it off? <laughs> okay, I understand what you're saying. Yes, probably, probably so. As far as, you know, if it's not working, you need to switch. If you feel like it, uh, the efficacy has declined, yes, switch. Now you may not need to stay with the same company because they're 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 different ones, and they're they're oral medications that work as well for fleas, especially. Uh, but uh, just use your judgment when you switch. I think it's important there, uh, and how it's working. As far as foods. Uh, we can get carried away with all the different foods. I think that, uh, in my opinion, the grain-free grain foods have been oversold. Uh, if you look at uh, TV, that's about all they've capitalized on is grain-free. And there are animals that need a grain-free diet, but uh, it's very expensive, a lot of those foods. And uh, I would say that, yes, you're probably right to stay within the same manufacturer or at least a similar food. Uh, when you're switching foods, uh, most dogs, especially once they get used to a food, they stick with it. They don't like to change too much. Cats, on the other hand, they may be eating today and not tomorrow, uh, depending on their mood. So uh, I think a lot of times foods are bought uh, to try to appease a picky eater, and somebody may have five or six different kinds of food out. So that gets to be a problem, in my opinion. But good luck to you with your flea, tick, and mosquito control. Take care. All right, Mikey, good to hear from you. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Uh, we are looking for your pet questions this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. One thing to remember with flea control is that it's not just the fleas on the dog or cat. 
the environment is important uh, inside the house. Uh, good regular vacuuming of sofas and carpets is very important. Uh, also outside, as humid and wet as it is, fleas can take over there, especially if they're stray animals such as cats and this sort of thing in the area. So remember that it's just not totally the dog or cat, uh, but it could be the environment that uh, they're living in that could also have fleas, and that could be an issue. And I think your point about, uh, you know, make, keeping your house with the vacuuming and everything is true because, you know, you might have your uh, pets well uh, controlled for fleas, but if there is another cat in the neighborhood or another dog in the neighborhood, maybe they aren't. And so they're still, the fleas are out there and they're very crafty about getting to where they uh, need to go. So we want to make sure you stay on top of that uh, so the situation doesn't get out of hand. Right. We're going to get one call in before the next break, and it goes to Chris, who's called in from DeSoto County. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you? We're doing good. What's your question? I've got a uh, one acre fish pond on my uh, farm here, and uh, it's really not a pet question, but with your uh, veterinary background, I would imagine it's helping. So, I've got a uh, algae that's covering a layer of my pond, and uh, am I to worry about that affecting the fish in the pond? How how extensive is the algae? Uh-huh. Covering the whole whole thing? It's like a little four-leaf clover. Okay. Call it duckweed or something. Right. Uh, my suggestion there, yes, it can. It can cut out a lot of the oxygen. Uh, obviously, with a smaller pond, you're probably not getting as much wind action as you would in uh, a larger uh, lake or this right. sort of thing. I would suggest talking to uh, an aquatic expert. There should be some in your area. Uh that could uh, recommend a product that you could use that would cut back on the algae. Uh, There are some fish uh, that are designed, some of the carp are designed to eat uh, algae. You might also look into that. They actually uh, have uh, been uh, sexed or sterilized where they don't reproduce in the pond, but they're very effective as far as eating aquatic or plant material. So you might look into that as well. Excellent. Will the extension service have uh, those resources? Yes, they should. Okay. Okay. Uh, one other question. I have an iron setter um, who's fighting the ball, and with the recent storms we've had up here, also the uh, fireworks over right. the, the week, she's turned into a nervous wreck. Uh, it's unusual. Uh, she's never shied away from guns. things that's advertised a lot and does work in some cases is a thunder shirt uh they have those for dogs that size you might try that would be one way to do it without medication if she's not responding to that i would talk to your vet about uh something that you could give especially during those times when it's fireworks or when you know that there's thunderstorms coming All right, Chris, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, and it's time for another break. When we get back, we're going to continue Pet Day by looking for your pet questions for Dr. Troy Major. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. 
888-253-7464. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more of the show after this. MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Since Libby Hartfield is out this week, it's an all-pet day. We're looking for questions about your pet. Give us a call. The number is one 877 MPB ring. Our phone number it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, let's start again. We'll go to Brookhaven. Charlie's called in today. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. How are you all? Good. What do you have for us? Um, I have an eight-year-old boxer who has feet. They smell like corn chips. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, bathe, I bathe them regularly, probably every two weeks. We pay right. specific attention to his feet, making sure we're scrubbing between his toes and rinsing really well. Right. But it doesn't seem to help at all. Is there any discoloration or irritation in his feet? Sometimes. Sometimes there's a pink, a pink you know, maybe because he's licking it. Um, so sometimes it'll be pink or red. Um, sometimes it doesn't do anything with it, and it just smells. Right. Um, but, you know, it'll kind of create that... I don't know, gunk between the toes where I'm wiping right. it out with paper towels and, you know, like a wet paper towel, and I don't know what to do. Right. Have you tried any any type of uh, medication or anything like no. that? No, I haven't. You know, this this is not, you're not the only one that has a dog with stinky feet. Uh, sometimes there's a yeast infection that can cause that, but usually it's discolored with that and probably grayish, and animal would lick quite a bit. Yeah, sounds like probably right. Sounds like he is licking a good bit as well, mm-hmm. and if he's keeping it moist, certainly that could be could be an issue. Uh, it's possible that he has a bacterial infection there. Have you talked to your vet about it? Uh, no, and you know, just routine vet checks. Um, I've never brought it up. I guess it just right. seems like it's just one of those common things. Right. But as, as I'm listening to y'all this morning, I'm thinking, well, let me ask because every time he climbs on me. That's stink. You know, you're just like, oh, you're sticky feet. I want to suggest one thing as a home remedy that you might try and see if that helps. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this may not help at all, but I would take, uh, put him in the tub, Uh, put you some warm uh, water in, Epsom salt soak, and see if that, soak it for 10 minutes, maybe once or twice a week, see if that helps at all. Be sure to be sure to rinse it out after that. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Try that and see. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We had a caller earlier who's uh, concerned about algae in his pond. We had another caller suggest salt, uh, but as Doctor Major and I were chatting during the break, 
the salt might solve the algae problem, but might create its own unique set of problems. Right, and of course, I guess the dosage would be uh, all important in that situation. An acre's acre pond is a pretty good sized pond. It's not that small. So I would be concerned about the pH based on the salt, what it would do to the fish and other uh, aquatic creatures in the pond. But appreciate the, the uh, observation and recommendation. And, yeah, I think, as you said, uh, the uh, Extension Service might uh, certainly be, have some, some good uh, technical assistance on that matter as well. Right. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. We're off to Laurel next. Lynn's on the line. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. Go ahead. Uh, I'm calling about the pond with, you know, had the algae and everything and had beavers and probably going to break down the walls of the pond. Right. But uh, my father was born and raised over in Woodville, Mississippi, and they had remedies for everything. Okay. Amazing. But um, they would take like a strip of cloth, a couple of strips of cloth, put them on a stick, and put one on either side of the beaver dam. Just chug it down in there, and that wind would be blowing, and it was kind of freaked out the beavers, I guess. But they would leave. And, uh, in fact, later on, he went to work for the, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, the highway department. And um, somebody said, well, we'll never get this because they'll be back, but we'll take down the uh, house, and they'll be back in the morning. And he said, well, wait just a minute. <laughs> Pulling off down in the woods, and he came back with a couple of sticks, and they found some old handkerchiefs or something, put it on the top, and put it on either side of the dam, and just freaked out the beavers, I guess, because they just left. Well, well, that's a great, uh, great story, and great uh, that it worked. And uh, maybe the listener could uh, utilize that as a way to eradicate or get the beavers out of there. So, appreciate your call. Sometimes the older home remedies work quite well thank you thanks lynn for the call yeah it sounds sort of like uh you know the version of a scarecrow the idea of uh, if you got some creatures that are somewhere uh, that you don't want them to be if you make it an uncomfortable place for them to be that they will sometimes move to where there's not as much hassle involved and you know a flapping uh you know piece of cloth does sound like something that might uh, bother them enough to to relocate and we've had calls you know about moles in the yard and one of the things that uh they uh, do have uh, is like a little windmill that you set up and it gives vibrations uh, in the ground and supposedly in some cases that helps get rid of the moles. They leave. So that's that's interesting. We appreciate our call. All right. Uh, we've got uh, Kathleen from Osaka's on the line next. Good morning, Kathleen. Hi, guys. Uh, Dr. Troy, I got uh, some information I forgot to give you last time. When the cats are being from, say, a wild or wilder area, I did try those hormones. I mean, we had talked about that way back. Right. But it worked wonderfully. Luckily for me, it was cold, and I kept uh, BB in the laundry room, so he was away from the other cats. It's the size of a baby food jar, and it has like a little fan uh, on the top. Some of them have a battery. Right. Some you have to plug in. But I let it run at night, two nights, and then... All day for three days while he was in there with the cold. Night and day for the cat. And I think that's what helped him a lot in transition to be uh, the cat that he is today. Very good. And as far as keeping birds out of the garden, it's not just the scarecrow because they get used to that and take the straw or whatever. Strips of, um, you can use uh, 
pie pan plates, the little aluminum of any kind, Mardi Gras beads, and right. put them on a whirly gig or what they call a mobile. And that does the trick as well. But the, the flashing lights uh, confuses them, and they, they don't go there. It doesn't hurt them. It just felt, tells them they want to go someplace else and have Good. Them. That's called good southern yard art. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. All right, Kathleen, always good to hear from you. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We've got some open phone lines for your pet questions this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You know, I'm a big uh, tennis fan. Wimbledon is going on there, and I noticed uh, the other day that they had a pigeon that flew onto the uh, court in the middle of the match and actually lighted it for a little bit there on the uh, the net. <laughs> and this was actually before Wimbledon had started one of the tournaments that leads up to it. But they said at Wimbledon there is a resident hawk whose job is to make sure that uh, the pigeons stay away from uh, the courts while the players are on there. So I thought that was interesting. But he uh, he apparently has a, a very busy time this time of year when uh, the world turns its eyes to uh, to Wimbledon and watches some great tennis. So just another way of, uh, of natural control of some of the uh, creatures that we're not, uh, we don't want to have around. So uh, let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Looks like another cat question, this time coming from Stephanie in Jackson. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning. Go ahead. Um, I, my question is about my pet cat. She's a calico, and she's about three. And I know cats are kind of quirky, but she has a very weird habit of, like, licking grocery bags. <laughs> like, if a grocery bag is, like, accidentally left on the counter, she'll just, like, go over to it and she'll just, like, lick the bag. And she's been doing this for a little while now, and it's just kind of weird. So I was just wondering if you guys had a, a take on that. You know, that is, is a little strange. Uh, she's in good health as far as you know. Yes. Uh, how You said three years old? Yeah. Yeah. Again, some of these habits get, get ingrained. There may have been something on a bag that had a, uh, oil or flavor or something like that where uh, groceries were brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to tell you that it's something that's really bad. As long as she doesn't start eating the bag, I guess that could be an issue. Right. But, but uh, I would just say put the bags up, maybe let her lick a little while and put them up and tell her no more. I, I don't know that there's anything I can tell you to change her habit, though. Okay? All right. I understand. I just thought it was, right. I know, it was it like is odd a little, or just quirky or... A little strange, uh, yes. But uh, thanks for your call. All right. All right. Thank you. Stephanie, good to hear from you. Let's uh, get one more call in before our next break, and it is uh, Carmen, who's called in from Bay Springs. Good morning, Carmen. Hey, good morning. I have got an answer to the gentleman who had algae blows in his lake. Okay. I have the same problem, and copper sulfate will um, stop that. And the last that I bought is a, it's blue-colored, and it is very powdery. And the, um, where I bought it from, the man told me that most people just throw it in. But anyway, that that works well for that. And also on the MSU Cares webpage, if you will click on publications, there is a publication that is uh, dealing with aquatic weed control, and that is a very helpful publication. All right. And then if I could ask Dr. Major a question about my dog, I would appreciate it. Sure. Go ahead. Uh, Dr. Major, I have got a solid black German Shepherd, and I love him dearly. He has a habit 
of gnawing on his leg. And, like, you know, to hear, you can see where the hair is going in some spots. What is that cause from? How old is he? He is almost two years old. Right. Again, we've been talking about habits today, and it gets to be a habit, actually. Sometimes from an injury, usually he's chewing probably from his, what you would say, your wrist down. Is that correct, or is it higher? He is. Uh-huh. He is. Yeah. And uh, the technical term uh, probably is acral dermatitis or lick granuloma. Uh-huh. But if this continues, it can get uh, quite uh, large and infected. So I would suggest talking to your vet about it. We've had some dogs that uh, respond to uh, some of the anti-itch medications. seems to take some of the itches away. We see yeah. it a lot in dogs that are out running, maybe hitting their leg, yeah. Yeah. and then uh-huh. they then they start licking it, and it gets to be a habit. So, I got you. Uh, good luck to you on that, and uh, try to uh, see if you can't get it under control. I will say that there's probably ten or twelve, if you look it up, ten or twelve different uh, ways to control it, and which means that none of them work all the time. So you may have to search and find something that does work. Okay. All right, Carmen, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. As we get a break, just a reminder, you know, we've heard some things where folks have had some uh, issues with their pets and not sure what to do. I would say anytime you go to your pet on a regular visit, uh, and if there's some strange behavior or something going on, let your pet know. That's your first line of defense, and that will usually, I think, be your quickest way to making sure the situation doesn't really escalate into something uh, even more uh, concerning. This is Creature Comforts. One final break this hour. We'll be back with more pet questions after this. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Since Levy Hartfield is out this week, it's an all-pet day. We've been answering a lot of pet questions. Still a little bit of time left in the hour and some open phone lines, so it's, you can work in your call at one eight seven seven mpb ring The phone number is one 672 7464 Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We've been talking about flea control. Had a listener call in and suggest a natural remedy, pennyroyal. The oil, I guess, from a pennyroyal plant uh, can uh, sometimes be effective, but you were saying if uh, if the situation uh, gets too bad that, that, that maybe some more, uh, something else would, would be more helpful. Right. And certainly there, there are cases where this would help us. Basically, it's a repellent, and uh, it can it can work pretty well in some instances. All right. Back to the phone lines we go. Megan's calling in from Jackson today. Good morning, Megan. Yes, hello. Yeah, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Uh, I'd like to know uh, if a dog 
can pick up uh, an illness from a human, in particular, uh, about to get a dog and have someone in the household that has developed a bacteria called C. diff. Okay. Uh, and certainly that's a specialized uh, situation with the C. diff, and there are uh, you know, people that have to be hospitalized in many cases for that. Uh, to my to my knowledge, uh, the uh, dog is not susceptible to that. That would be my answer for you. Okay, oh, very good. All right, Begum, thanks for the and call. I wish the best best of luck with the patient at home, because that can be a very serious condition. Yes, thank you. All right, uh, what about uh, you know? I have a cold now. Am I in danger of passing that along to my cat? Ah, uh, probably so. No, not not really. Uh, a lot of times we'll be suffering kind of from the same allergy type thing as the cat or dog will be, and it seems like we hey we gave our cat a cold or vice versa. But in general, it's not something you're going to transmit uh, uh, to your cat. Okay, uh, we've got another call. It's uh, Bob in Memphis. Good morning, Bob. You're up next. Go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, I have a 117-pound lab. Um, okay. This is the story I've called before about him. He's having a sad life, broke a hip, uh, has healed from that, and now has torn his CCL. Right. Uh, I've carried him from one vet who wanted to do the surgery that that only doctors could afford to do. Uh, carried him to another vet. He wants to do the bands that they talked about. But he said before he did that, he'd want to do about 12 weeks of rehab and see if the dog can heal on his own. And that's what we're into right now. We're about at week 10. Uh, big dog, big big lab, not fat. He's uh, as tall as the kitchen table. Right. Um, so he's he's doing well. We, we've In about the eighth week, he started to get to go swimming again and such as that to build it up. Has soreness and such as that. My question is, and my doctor's never given me, or one of the vets never given me an answer. And I know I'm going to pronounce them wrong, but they make stifle braces and hoke or hot braces for dogs. Yes. Which would be the best, or does he need one? And if it's the stifle brace, where can you find the cheap ones at? <laughs> tell, tell me how he's doing. You, you actually feel like he's doing a lot better? He, he is doing better. He's right. putting weight on it. He's using it. Yeah. Um, if he overdoes it, he's sore for a day or two, and you can tell he, he gives into it a little bit. But uh, he's going to put no weight on it at all to, yeah. to walking on it with a limp. You know, a general, uh, general course of events with a torn uh, CCL uh, or ACL, some people would say, is that they are lame, holding it up, maybe toe-touching initially. That was it. And yeah. then uh, after about 10 days, two weeks, they start putting it down. And then after about another couple of weeks, they start really giving to it again. Okay. Uh, in a lot of cases, physical therapy uh, has worked. Uh, I would say that one of the problems with a brace, and I'm not so sure that this dog needs it, uh, would be that, one, he's not getting as much exercise as he should with that. And uh, it gives support. But uh, I would have to say that if I would continue on with the program that you're on right now, okay. and uh, uh, you've already gone, what, eight, ten weeks, and uh, I would say that I've uh, made some progress. One thing to remember, even with surgery, and I don't know if anybody tell you this or not, but even with surgery, there can always be some arthritis involved uh, later on, and he may well have arthritis in the future. Right, and, and, and they say the odds of if he's torn one that within 
certain number of years, there's a 40 or 50% chance he's going to tear one in the other leg also. Is quite, what I hear. quite possible. I don't know the exact percentages, but yes. Good luck to you. It sounds like what you're doing is good. All right, Bob, thanks for the call. Good to hear that your dog is doing better on his uh, rehab there. Uh, let's move next. We've got Sherry from Coldwater. Earlier we had a caller about uh, a horse eating paper. Sherry, sounds like you have a tip for us. Yes. Uh, don't let them eat paper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, um, I used to send my students, little kids, or big kids as well, I would send them to um, the uh, closet to get paper, and they would not come out. And I would look in there, and they were just laying on the floor, just chomping on it. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's one of those things that uh, some people do. Some people have an, uh, a desire for that paper, right. and it's it's not something that's so. Tell her, don't have her, don't have paper where her horse is, and take care of her horse. All right, absolutely, Sherry. Thank thanks you. for the call. That's it. Best way is just to keep the horse away from the paper. Uh, let's go next. Uh, looks like this might be our last call for the hour, and it's Emily and Jackson. Good morning, Emily. Um, I have a dog that tends to battle yeast on the skin, and it's a constant battle in this humidity, and I was wondering if there's any kind of natural remedy that I could use for that. Um, we use Pharmacept spray, but, you know, it helps a little bit, but it doesn't get rid of it. Very difficult to get this under control. There's a large portion of her body involved. Yes. Uh, ears, especially feet, and uh, it's very, what shall I say, disruptive to the dog, and it usually has an odor as well. Uh, there have been all kind of home remedies for that. Most of them don't work long-term. There may be an immune system issue with this dog. Uh, what What have you done as far as treatment? Uh, uh, as far as the ears, we have that under control. Um, but as far as the body is concerned, the belly, uh, we're using Pharmacet spray. Yes. Uh I highly recommend, and you may uh, object to it, but I highly recommend using ketoconazole orally. Uh, if okay. you haven't, uh, talk to your vet about the dosage. But uh, sometimes long-term ketoconazole will help and can help uh, remove this as a problem. So talk to your vet about that, okay? Great. Thank you. Yes. All right, Emily, thanks for the call. And again, a reminder, you know, Dr. Major does the best that he can uh, just listening to the, the pet questions on the phone. But I would say uh, anytime you call up and ask uh, for the advice here on the show, uh, best to go ahead and, and follow up uh, with your vet, uh, um, maybe uh, on its next regular visit, or if you think it's more pressing to go ahead and schedule an appointment. Uh, your vet is the one that really knows your pet's history uh, the, the best and is, can always give you the best advice. But Dr. Major, always ready and able to give you some general advice to try to help keep all of our pets uh, safe and sound. Absolutely. So that's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating its 20th year of conserving Mississippi's land, waters, and wildlife, and from contributions from listeners like you. If you need to hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next... It's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comfort, heard only on MPB Think Radio.